And I had that ideal in my mind and I was able to do it. So now I'm talking to you, this, this is my voice. So the big question is, what are top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate? To get the answers, we interview the top real estate agents to learn their secrets to success. If you would like one-on-one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to EliteAgentSecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Elite Agent Secrets. Today, I'm joined by Nick Prefontaine. Now, Nick is a three times best-selling author, and he was named a top motivational speaker of 2022 in Yahoo Finance. He's a speaker and a founder and the CEO of Common Goal, in addition to being a partner and buyer's coach at Smart Real Estate Coach. Now, today, we're going to be covering overcoming adversity, In topic two, we'll cover helping investors break through their limiting beliefs and build a real estate business that truly serves their lives. And in topic three, we'll bring it home with taking things one step at a time. I have a feeling we're going to cover a whole lot of ground. So strap on your seatbelts and let's welcome Nick to the show. How are you today, Nick? Peter, I'm outstanding. uh, When I saw this on the calendar, I was looking forward to it. Dude, I'm, I'm so excited. I just got back from a trip out in Europe. And I tell you what, I'm definitely feeling a little bit rusty. I'm feeling a little bit rested, but I'm definitely eager to dive into your topics. Um, but before we do, I want to give you the, the groundwork to bring us into your world. Tell us about how you got started in real estate, how you became a speaker. Take us back pretty much to maybe ground zero in this case. Sure. No, that's a great question. And ground zero for me, whenever anyone asked me what my ground zero was and the starting point, I I can go back to when I was snowboarding with my friends at ski club in eighth grade. Um, I had got to the mountain and we had a right for the chairlift. On the way up the chairlift, we noticed that it was very icy because it had been raining. However, we knew what we were doing. We were, we were just going to be safe and be careful. So uh, we got going up the chairlift. We went right over the train park. I noticed the biggest jump right there in the train park. And I was like, oh, I'm hitting that. Absolutely. So got to the top, buckled into my snowboard, took a breath of that crisp winter air and confidently charged towards that jump with all my speed. And going up to the jump, I caught the edge of my snowboard on the snow going up the jump. And that kind of threw me off balance. Um, And that was the last thing that I remember. So I was told that I landed on my head and I wasn't wearing a helmet. I was also told that um, I didn't have any any protection. There was no protection between my head and the snow. The only protection that I had was a pair of goggles that I learned each impact would not only the initial impact, but each impact would move and brace to cushion each impact. And so I could guess I I guess you could say they saved my life. Um, There were several things that happened that day that is part of the reason why I'm here today. Uh, One of those was the goggles, as I mentioned. Another one, they wanted to, because of the severity of my injury, Peter, they wanted to bring a helicopter to the mountain to rush me to the hospital. They couldn't because it was too windy. So they sent in an ambulance. 
And out of the six paramedics on the staff of all the paramedics in the area, there was only one who could intubate right on the spot. And I needed that to be able to breathe. And luckily for me, he was one of the paramedics that showed up to the mountain that day. And then once I got to the hospital, another, this is the third thing, thing, there's always, there's always three. I can always remember these three main things that when I was in a coma, I was obviously out for the count, but when I was in the coma resting in the ICU, the doctors would come into my room to share the news. And as you can imagine at the beginning, it was more grim and more grim every time they came in to talk to my parents and my parents luckily for me stopped them and said no no not in front of him because they understood the power of the mind which i'm very i'm very fortunate that they had that understanding because they knew that even though i was in a coma i was out i was still taking information so they made the doctors step outside to share the news. And once the doctors got outside, they said to my parents that, look, he's probably not going to be, even if he does come out of his coma, I was in a coma for three weeks. They said, even if he does come out of his coma, he's probably not going to be able to walk, talk, or eat on his own again. They took that information and they realized that the doctors had to give them the worst case scenario. And then what this did, as I said, I was fortunate that they didn't let this infiltrate my mind because what this allowed me to do, Peter, was treat it like any other situation. So when I was well enough a month after, a month after I I came out of the coma in three weeks, but I really don't remember a month. So my memory started a month after. And once I was aware of my surroundings and the work that was left in front of me, that allowed me to just get up and keep getting better every day. And this this was so important um, to give you to give you a peek into what a normal day would be like early on in my recovery. I would get up. I would need help from my occupational and physical therapist to teach me how to shower again. Um, if you can picture that, um, a lot of people, they hear, they hear these stories of, of, um, people overcoming adversity and getting in accidents, but they don't think that it was literally all taken away from me. I had to learn everything all over again from scratch. So I had to learn something as rudimentary as the water comes before the soap, that kind of thing. And what utensils, what utensils to use when I was eating breakfast, Um, so after breakfast, I would start my morning therapy sessions. That would be physical, occupational, and speech therapy. And after which you broke for lunch. I can remember early on in my recovery, Peter, that I was sitting in my room, in my hospital room. I was in a wheelchair at the time, not a fully supported wheelchair, which I started with, but just a regular wheelchair. And this was before I could talk because I had to learn how to talk again. So the only thing that was coming out was a whisper, if anything. I was just mouthing words. So my mom, who was with me as my support every day during my stay in the hospital, um, she was with me. And I looked over at her. I just couldn't figure it out. I was looking at the wheelchair and I was like, am I, am I ever going to be able to walk again? 
she didn't hesitate. She said, oh, of course you are. That's what we're doing here. So you can get everything back and we can go home. And this this was I bring this up because I think this was the the only moment of doubt that I can really think back to. Otherwise, it was just I kept getting up every day and taking the next step. And now, unknowingly, I utilized a system, the step system, and um, to not only make a full recovery, but run out of the hospital. Step is an acronym um, that we teach. It's uh, support, trust, energy, and persistence. And at the end, I can I can give away um, a free ebook for uh, for your listeners as well if we have enough time. So then, if you fast forward a little bit, um, I less than after being transported to the rehab hospital after a month, and that's where I began my journey to learn everything all over again. I had the goal when I was there of running out of the hospital. I heard everyone talking around me that, oh, we want Nick to make a full recovery. Um, that's a reasonable goal. Who wouldn't want that? But I heard in my head, no, you're going to run out of the hospital. So then our goal, our common goal became I was going to run out of the hospital. And that's what everyone was striving for, uh, meeting weekly and striving for and going for. And we did accomplish that. So after running out of the hospital, um, it really wasn't like my work was done. I had to continue to go to outpatient therapy for another six months, along with being tutored all summer long, five days a week in order to continue on to high school with the rest of my classmates. And looking back on this, Peter, it's a little it's a little surreal that only 18 months after finishing therapy, after finishing outpatient therapy, I was I got my start in real estate. I was knocking on pre foreclosure doors. So uh, pre foreclosure, uh, your audience is familiar with this term. Uh, what it means, it it just means that the um, the bank had or the lender had has sent the homeowner um, a notice of default letter. So I would look it up, uh, get the list of the notice of defaults, and go in knock on the door. No one told me this. Uh, they just, they gave me, they gave, they literally gave me a script and said, Hey, if you, if no one's there, leave this behind. So I, I didn't really get any training right off the bat on this. Um, I, I just ran right up to people, right up to the door, knock, knock, had no tact, no technique whatsoever. I was just, Hey, uh, I'm Nick Prefontaine. I'm here to help you out of your unfortunate situation. I was only 16 years old at the time. If you can picture that. So I get a lot of doors slammed in my face, as you can imagine. Um, shortly after that, my cousin Mike and I went out to California to spend some time shadowing, spend a couple of days shadowing the number one person in the country that was having success with these notice of default doors. Once I saw his technique and and like how much nuance there was along with it. Um, with like knocking the door lightly, like a friend was knocking by, not just like slamming on the door, like everything about it. Once I implemented his strategies and what he was doing, I started seeing a lot of success. I kept doing that throughout the rest of the throughout the rest of my career in high school. And then once I graduated high school, I started starting to get my real estate license. And I got my real estate license and I was a successful realtor. Uh, helping both buyers and sellers 
uh, for full time, full, full time for six years. And then around the six year mark, my dad started playing around with um, buying property and investing with them uh, creatively, non-conventionally, um, what we like what we like to call on terms. So non-conventionally, non um, unlike going to a bank and getting a loan and paying cash for a home, um, just to give just to give your listeners idea an idea, like buying a home on a lease purchase, um, buying a home subject to someone's existing loan. And if they don't have a if they don't have a loan on the property, if there's no debt on the property, uh, we can even buy with owner financing. So that that's just a few of the ways that we buy. Not all of them. Um, then we're always going to the way that I came in. Um, and like I said, it was full, full time for me as a realtor for six years. Then my dad started asking me, well, hey, can you help me with the marketing with all these properties that I'm getting, that I'm buying, that I'm getting under contract, I need help marketing them. And then I was, I said no at first, which is amazing. Luckily, he asked me more than once. So oh, talk, uh, talk about persistency, right? Yeah, right. So then, I, I love, I love, I want to go back a little bit to to your story because overcoming adversity. I think I want to make sure that the audience doesn't lose this um, because when we're selling real estate, I mean. Adversity is literally at on every corner. What, what you're talking about is really the ultimate adversity. Like you really have to decide whether you're going to be able to get up and walk and do things for yourself. You're going to be able to do the basic things that I think on a daily basis we take. Um, like we we don't really consider, right? Like we 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 just take for granted. There you go. That's what I'm looking for, right? When I when I get up in the morning, I don't think about having to breathe, my body just does it. I don't think about having to get up, like I just get up. I don't think about having to go take a shower and, and, and how all that works, it just happens. Hey, I just wanted to jump in here and let you know, if you would like access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to eliteagentsecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. Now back to the show. And the fact that we're talking about overcoming adversity in business versus personal and marrying them together, and that's how you really get started in all of this, I think that speaks volumes. Um, so I wanted to come back to it and say, other than the people that you had around you, what kept you going? What, kept, what, what was like the, the mindset? Because not hearing the negative stuff is one thing, but then not letting the negative stuff enter your mind after you're consciously aware of it is another thing. I mean, there's some days like this morning, I came in the office and I'm like, fuck, I don't really want to be here. But guess what? I still got in my car. I still showed up. I still got dressed. I still did everything and I'm still here. Is it going to be the best day ever? No, probably not. But this is very small adversity that I'm talking about here versus an adversity of of being able to go door knocking for pre foreclosures where people are pissed off at you, <laughs> just got the demand letter, right? And now you're 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 overcoming that. So what 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 was going through your mind? Like, was there any like certain technique or or, or something that you do or something that kept you you know reminded of of you know the eyes on the price type of deal? Ah, uh, that's a great question. I would say. What I what I experienced, um, my snowboarding accident 
because I was so young, I was only 14 years old when I got into my snowboarding accident. I I just treated it like anything else. I, I just got up and I kept working and kept getting better every day. So there was never that one moment of doubt that because everyone has doubt, Peter, that that's why. And I'm not I'm not saying there isn't doubt um, that one moment of doubt where I was like, am I ever going to be able to walk again? That that's why I always bring that to the forefront. Um, but really, your question brings me I can I can like let you into a little bit more of my story. So I actually as a result, uh, I don't think it was. um the doctors say they're not able to pinpoint whether it was directly from my accident or not, but I know, I know in my heart that it was. I in 2012, I developed a voice issue. So after looking, after spending a year and going to all these specialists and doctors and everything, I couldn't figure out what it was. And I finally ended up at a specialist office um, in Boston a year later. And I actually had to work with him for seven years to get Botox injections in my throat in conjunction with um, getting voice therapy from his highly specialized voice therapist. And there was there was so many and I think it's probably just recency bias, but there was so many moments during that time where I was just like, fuck, I, I was like, I, I can't. Like, ah, uh, it, it just, it wouldn't, my voice wouldn't cooperate with me. And I, every time I would get a Botox treatment, once my voice came back, I would work with the voice therapist and it would incrementally get better a little bit each time. But of course we all, we live in an instant gratification world. I want this to be done yesterday. I want this to be fixed yesterday. Whereas my accent was a, the whole thing. From the accidents when I ran out of the hospital was less than 90 days, was less than three months. So I feel that I can really relate to your question. How did you keep going? It was really a test to me. Um, the voice issue that I just overcame. And I I actually got the last time I got a Botox treatment was um February, February 13th of 2020, uh, right before the world shut down. So I no longer need that anymore um it'll be four years this february um i can say that that's my past but there were so many times going through that where i was just like i had no option uh well at least to me so a lot of people say well oh you could give up or or settle for less and i i've heard that all on my journey i heard uh well you know you've made a lot of progress and it's okay if it doesn't get any better than this and I just wouldn't accept that. I had an ideal in my mind. I knew I was able to speak perfectly after my accident and I wanted to get my voice back. Um, and I had that ideal in my mind and I was able to do it. So now I'm talking to you. This this is my voice. Um, I was able to get my voice back for the second time. So so typically when people think of like, you know, Botox, they think of Brotox, right? Like get, get rid of the wrinkles. Yeah. And so some people are going to listen to this and be like, I probably need some myself included from all the stress in real estate. But fuck, man, um, the adversity that you're talking about and how you're dealing with it, I think is so, so powerful because there's going to be some people that are going to listen to this 
and they're going to be in a bad spot, right? Especially with what's going on in the market right now. There's going to be some people that are going to be debating whether they should get out of the business and probably some of them should, right? Not, don't mean to offend anybody, but that's the freaking reality. If you sold real estate in 2020, 2021, and 22, you probably made out just fine. And now in 23, going into 24, and whatever else the future holds for us, it's just a lot more of a skill-based business. So unless you acquire the skill sets and overcome that adversity, you're just not going to be able to cut it. And that's also okay because this business isn't for everybody. But just like in life, you have to marry the personal and the professional both of them, you had a choice and you had to decide whether or not you're going to continue. And that's probably one of the hardest choices. If you listen to everybody, you probably would have fell short. But you had to listen to yourself, to your mind. You had a goal. I really like what you said also is we all made a goal that I'm going to run out of there on my last day. Not walk, not come out in a wheelchair not with a cane, run. And you did. And that's really what I think, you know, overcoming adversity really is. You just have to commit to the process and in a way become obsessed with it. Mm. Because otherwise you're just not going to do what's required. Like if real estate is easy, we're not doing open heart surgery here. Living life is a lot harder than putting a real estate deal together at times, right? Because there's some easy ones, there's some bad ones. Um, And not taking anything for granted, I think it's also a lot harder than most realize. So I really admire how you're overcoming adversity. No wonder that. We'll dive into topic number three of taking, taking, taking things one step at a time. But I'm sure there were a lot of little steps to overcome that, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. My, um, the voice challenge you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. There were, there were countless steps and it never, it didn't seem to end. Um, and it, it just, it really was a test to my, I guess you could say my resolve and really my, um, my persistence to keep going. And all I can worry about one of the things that was said to me, all you can worry about is your own effort. So exactly. just just keep putting in the effort. Just keep doing the exercises. You know how many you know how many times I did these freaking exercises? They gave me they gave me voice exercises. Like here's an example. So they gave me voice exercises after my voice came back, and they said, "Okay, so you're gonna want to do them once, maybe twice a day." I was probably doing them four times a day. Like the, that's just whenever someone gives me a minimum, I'm I'm always like doubling it. And so well, that's I, what you have to do, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, if, if you really want to be successful, if somebody says make a hundred calls, do 200. And I guarantee you, you'll screw up quite a few of those. And then you actually will have a good 100 calls, but it's all context and perspective, right? Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you would like one-on-one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to EliteAgentSecrets.com partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. 